And welcome back to more. All right. Uh, in our in the episode proper, we actually talk about Stranger Things season, season four, four, part two. two. It's quite a mouthful, yeah. It's a yeah. mouthful, man. Dude, it's not it's... as easy to say as I thought it will be. Yeah, I've been saying it for <laughs> so long. Yeah. And I still can't get it right. Damn Netflix and their part one, part two bullshit. <laughs> Seriously, just just to try and you know get subscribers to stay on for uh, aggravating corporate decisions. I don't know if it's worse if they decided to choose to become become a weekly again. Well, no, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that might be the solution either honestly speaking we'll see I mean like honestly speaking Disney Plus and HBO Max and Paramount Plus and everything are doing really well with the weekly kind of format but it's Netflix Netflix is the epitome of binging yeah that's why they shouldn't do part 1 part 2 stuff like that they should just lay it all out and especially for I know for me that The Stranger Things season 4 part 1 and 2 it felt kind of disjointed with the break I would have really much enjoyed it to have it all at one shot you know, I completely agree with you. In particular, Stranger Things. Yeah, uh, but I think that might be it. Might be better. I I love binging shows. I I admit it right away. I love binging shows, and I just don't like it when it's have to be weekly and you have to wait so long just to finish the show. Yeah. As much, uh, so if yeah, but the problem is, I think the both of us also, uh, we are not the kind, we are not the reason why Netflix is changing to this model because we just continue our subscription and all that. Yeah, we don't change definitely. around. We still watch other shows. I mean, when I, whenever I'm not watching the new shows, I'm watching like Community yeah. multiple times. Yeah. So yeah, we are not the reason. I like, mean, Friends uh, is still on where we are. So yeah, that's exactly. A big part of. Yeah. what I'm using Netflix for. Exactly, yeah. Friends is typically background noise wherever I'm in my room. Mm. And it's always on. Yeah. It's always been on. I used to have the DVDs and it's like, it's just always on at all times. So yeah, ever since Netflix has it, this is, we're, we're already off topic. We started off on the wrong topic, but yeah, just let's just finish this conversation and then we'll get yes. started on the actual <laughs> one. But honestly speaking, Netflix is, the way they're doing things, they should just let people binge it. You know, that, and just let people enjoy it the way it's meant to be enjoyed. And rather than just breaking it up and letting the story be affected. Yeah. I think, honestly speaking, the Stranger Things kind of really got affected with the big break. Maybe. For me. Yeah. It sucks so much. Because, well, especially for Stranger Things, people wait so long already for each season to come out. And then they have to wait in between from like the beginning of the story to the end of the story. That really sucks. You know, there are some shows that can benefit from a weekly weekly release for example a lot of the Disney Plus shows can mm. are really good with a weekly release for example Moon Knight did really well for a weekly released episode yeah. a weekly episodic series but I think for stuff like Kenobi I would have pretty I would have rather watched it all at one shot yeah I don't know why it's just the storytelling is different yeah it's a just different style yeah, yeah. which is why most of the Netflix stuff comes out as a binge it seems right because yeah, it fits exactly. the story that they try to... The yeah. stories that they tell, especially. Yeah. Unless they're going to do it like maybe like four weeks kind of thing with three, three, three. Like for example, uh, Legend of Vox Mark. You know, that I thought that was work. really good. Would, yeah. Well, it depends on the story again. Yeah, again, it depends on the story. That's true. Yeah, because the way Legend of Vox Mark did it was really well. Yeah, they were designed for three episodes per week. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Which, if that's what they want to do in the future, yeah, they just have to tell that to the storytellers. Yes. Yeah. You know, let yeah. them decide how the story should be broken up Based yeah. on their regulation. Yeah. Probably transition period. But go, let's go back to... <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't listen to this podcast for that, but there you go. <laughs> but there's more, you know. More, just talk about it's everything. more stuff. Yeah, yeah it's everything, right? It's the polity 
but more. Yeah. Okay, so we we talk about story elements, what we like, what we don't like, right? Within in the episode yep. proper itself, I'm just we write stories for our D and D games. Mm-hmm. You write a lot more stories for our D and D games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. I am just wondering whether there are some elements that you use that you like, or like story elements that you like that you know become your style that you use in your story quite a bit. Definitely, I love suspense. Oh, okay. And you would definitely know that. Every single one of my main campaign games that you've ever played, I love to leave it off of suspense. It and not necessarily always has to be the same kind of suspense. You have to like tell it differently. Every single type of thread that you leave people hanging on has to be different. If not, it becomes stale. So I really love suspense. That's one thing I learned from a lot of kind of murder thriller series that yeah. always leaves you guessing at the end of the episode. And when it comes to Western media, it does it better than something like Korean media, mm, where yeah. every single cliffhanger at the end of the episode is the same. Yeah. This character, does he die? And you get that the three next three episodes. At the end of the episode, he might die. It's just so frustrating and aggravating. Keep it fresh. Keep yeah. it changing. Leave different types of cliffhangers. But still, don't I coming from me, don't overuse it. Don't abuse it. Because it will get stale very quickly. And I know that for a fact because I think I overuse it already when it comes to cliffhangers. Thankfully, your players are very, very lenient with these things. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Compliment the players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, that's why. <laughs> compliment the players, sure. I have to. I, I'm, I'm the player. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's why you have to compliment yourself, Mr. Lawfully Good. Yes. <laughs> I, some other tropes that I really like other than yeah. cliffhangers would all actually be the story of the Act 2 portion. Hmm. And the Act 2 doesn't necessarily... Because when you play a long format game like a campaign, yes, it goes... It spans many, many different multiple sessions. Yeah. And that's why during the Act 2, you have to... It's where the development happens. Right, okay. You know, in, in if if for shows, it's the part where the heroes get searches for the item to kill the villain in the... For mm. fantasy shows. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's the way they search for the item to defeat the b- big bad boss at the end of it. Yeah. You know, it's Vox Machina when they when they encountered the Chroma Conclave. Yeah. Spoilers for Critical Role. They had to go on a quest to find the Sphinxes, to find a solution. Yeah. Which led them to the vestiges of the Divergence. Yeah. And then they had to seek those vestiges of the Divergence to better themselves. Is where they got more powerful to the level of where they could actually take down the dragons. Yeah. You know, that's the Act 3. And I really love the Act 2 of it, of everything, of a story. So as such, I try to sprinkle in as much Act 2 as possible, especially because it's a long-form campaign. The Act 1 is the introduction to the characters and the scenario. When it comes later in the story, later in the campaign, you don't need to introduce the characters already. Everybody kind of knows the characters that are going on. You just need to introduce a few, a little bit more of the, the rest of the world as a DM you know, you need to introduce a bit more of the star- characters in this story, which doesn't take as much time already. And then you can sprinkle in some char- some Act 2 stuff from the overarching campaign. Yeah. Overarching story, rather. Or you can sprinkle Act 2 stuff or, like, Easter eggs for an upcoming thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's how I always write things. Oh, that's very, that's very interesting, actually. So, okay, let me just go slightly deeper. Or maybe broader in a sense in this question. So when you're planning for Act 2, do you plan your overarching story first? I mean, you definitely plan the overarching story first, right? Generally. Yep. yep. 
do you ha- do you break that overarching story into Act One, Act Two, and Act Three generally? And then, as you know, like this overarching story, you know, this Act Two stuff can happen in all the little smaller arcs itself. So, okay, I have I typically have one overarching story for any campaign that yeah. I plan, right? And then that overarching story would have. Obviously, I will think of a conclusion. Of course, something yeah. that is yeah. going to happen in the last act, the end yeah. game. Yeah, and then because of that, I break it down to what can lead to that. Yeah, and then I use it, and maybe in smaller arcs leading up to that. And I also lead. I also leave like sprinkle in some things here and there for them to try and some. You know, it's just it's like fishing. You know, you you cast you throw you cast a bait. You yeah. cast a line with a bait on it. You see whether the fishes nibble. Yeah, and you guys are the fishes, by the way. Why don't you nibble on some of my tasty bait? <laughs> I have nothing more to say after that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's gonna make the edit. <laughs> I think it should. It's, uh, we'll it's hilarious, actually. We'll but yeah, essentially, that's what uh, I do. I yeah. I plan an overarching story with the conclusion. Then I break it down to Act Two stuff, building stuff, and then I sprinkle it everywhere. Right. 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 As much as possible. Yeah. And then yeah. I also think of some acts some some arcs some mini arcs right like smaller arcs that fit into the umbrella of the overarching storyline some of them can be building arcs as well it doesn't necessarily have to be oh every arc is you find a monster you go kill it oh you find oh, another yeah, monster of course, you go kill yeah. it i love act 2 arcs in that you have to find yourself yeah you yeah. have to better yourself yeah that is the goal that is what's going to happen in act 3 of that arc is you get to better yourself so the act two of that arc is how do you do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. why I yeah. break it down to. Yeah. Yeah. It it's a very convoluted process. If you listen to most of our Polity More episodes, you know that I have a very convoluted process of writing and detail, overly detailed and unnecessarily. You don't. You just have to listen to last week. It's unnecessary. It's just all unnecessary. I mean, but there were <laughs> there were good questions though. I mean, your your questions. You asked the questions, <laughs> by the way. Last week? Oh, well, no, I thought you were I thought you were talking about the question you just asked. Oh, no, you you were talking about last <laughs> week. But but today's question is amazing too, by the way. <laughs> just put it I out there. I don't know if that's going to make the edit either. <laughs> <laughs> so what about uh, you? What are some elements, story elements and story beats that you like? Uh, I mean, I I don't know what's the name of it, but I I always like the Steven method. The That's the method. official name. Yes, yes. Stephen with a P with a V. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's called the... Okay, never mind. I'll go there. <laughs> I would love to hear the other sentence, but carry on. <laughs> um, what I want to say is that um, I think I really like the... I don't know the name for it, but it's the part where you are building relationship between the party. Uh, like, yeah, even when I was watching... Whenever, whenever I'm watching, like, movies, shows, I'm always looking for relationship bit built between the party itself. Um yeah. So for example, I think like Vox Machina. I mean mm-hmm. again, spoiler alert for Creel Role, Campaign One. Mm-hmm. All those moments where the party just kind of have conversation together. Just talking with one another, I we be it with Scanlon and Grog in the mm, toilet. Right. You know? Right. That was amazing. And you get to know snippets of each other's character and at the same time, you're able to get to know their relationship yeah. as well and they're building it as well as a character. Uh, Doctor Who, when in, I think it was 10. Iconic when, cafe scene. No, it, cafe, was it was in a, a restaurant, right? Yeah, it was 10. Yeah, in the restaurant, 
they're just sitting down there. Wait, was it 10? I think it was 10. It might be 9. Oh. Yeah, it might be 9 because it was the reprise of the Slidine arc where they were capturing the lady. Oh, maybe, yeah. And then they were all in the cafe with uh, Jack Harkness and Rose and 10 didn't want to communicate with Jack Harkness. Well, 10 or 9. It's, yeah, 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 it's definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the earlier seasons. It was definitely season 1 or 2 yeah. of New Who. Yeah, so those moments, I, I think, and even when I was watching Age of Ultron, the part where they are comparing who can lift the Thor hammer, right? and they're just chilling and having conversation. Right. I love those moments in the story because I think it builds not just a single character, but rather the relationship between the character, which always have, I don't know, memorable moments. I'm going to be completely honest. When you said Age of Ultron, I misheard it as Voltron. And I was like, wow, you watch Voltron? Damn, that's cool. And then you said Hammer, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. No, that's not Voltron. That's that's Avengers. Yeah, Avengers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my brain Who's just Voltron? My so brain is not working very well right now. It's clearly stated by the 9 or 10th doctor thing. It is it doesn't want to function. I need like food in my system. Hey, that me too. Me too. Yeah. So are there any element story beats or elements that you don't like? Oh, um for example, me, I hate the power-ups. Like, you know, that, that whole thing with Mike and Eleven. Uh, just a speech allows her to become more powerful, to take down uh, take down Vecna. And okay, so I didn't mention this in the main episode, but I remember what I said about maybe Eleven takes over the Mind Flayer. I, I got that idea because she managed to get the vines to move away from her. Ah, that's So right. yeah, okay. she has the ability or the yeah, capability to yeah. actually do something like that. Yeah. It's maybe she doesn't have the ability to do it yet. Yeah. So maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe that was the direction it might go. Right, right, right. Okay. But yeah, so what, uh, what other story elements do you not like? Oh man, that's... Tough. Um, maybe not not like maybe like more uh, it's overplayed and that you don't like to use yourself personally I know for me it's again it's the Dragon Ball thing okay I wanted to say actually the same thing I yeah. dislike the the power up especially in Dragon Ball and maybe Bleach as well yeah where there's no proper reasoning behind the, that power up or maybe that reasoning is simply simply just a, either yeah. a pep talk like yeah. I mentioned or even just like having a dream within yourself and yeah. all that and then you just become extremely powerful. Or just right? like, oh, suddenly there's a yeah. new skill that you can learn that will make you even more powerful than, than to beat this guy that suddenly came down and was stronger than you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It kind of, it's just cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I dislike that a lot actually. Um, I will say though, honestly speaking, Dragon Ball, Bleach, and Naruto and stuff like that, they're all very, I would say good stories still of a heroic journey. Yes, yeah. So don't get me wrong, I love Dragon Ball. Yeah. Dragon Ball is one of my favorite enemies of all time. Even though I bash on its trope so much, I still love it to death. Because like I don't know how up to date with you, you are with Dragon Ball, but I'm not. I, I kind of stopped after. Did yeah. you watch Super? You, you haven't watched no. Super, right? So yeah, the whole I, I I'm still kind of watching here and there and reading up about it. But like the whole Ultra Instinct thing is just forever whoever's listening. Goku with the Ultra Instinct and the Vegeta with the Ultra Ego is just so cool. It's it's essentially the power of gods and angels. Okay. And they are the most powerful beings in all the universes. And Goku is learning the power of the angels. And Vegeta is learning the power of the gods of destruction. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, once again, they'll become the most powerful being in these universes. And then I don't see a possible way that they can progress more than that after. <laughs> so, you know, but there'll always be a way. There will, I mean, there will always a way, right? Yeah. yeah. The last thing, the last episode of Dragon Ball I watched was the... the Majin Buu 
Wow, that's arc. Dragon Ball Z really long ago. Yeah, man. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's even that's about twenty years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. More that, than that. That's why I stopped. More yeah. than that. More than that. More than that. It yeah. was in the nineties, I think. Yeah, possibly nineties. But yeah, Majin Buu led to Super Buu. Okay, so we're getting off topic. <laughs> again. What other story tropes do you not like? I think I also don't like unnecessary romance within. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or even like, for example, uh, in this, just an example in the Stranger Things part four, I kind of dislike the part where, uh, yeah, where you have Nancy who was together with Steve and then they broke up and then finally we got jo- yeah. Jonathan and then their, their relationship got over complex because of lack of communication mm-hmm. and then now she, she comes back to Steve. Steve. Yeah. I, I mean, here's the thing. We have already established that you hate love. You know, uh, in our Valentine's Day episode, <laughs> go check that out. Stephen hates love, and that's why he hates all all forms of thing in hey, media. I, I really like the Max and Lucas bit. Yeah, because yeah, that's... that because Max dies, right? You're happy about that. <laughs> Actually, I'm not gonna lie. I'm quite happy that Max. I mean, I said uh, it in the episode proper. I was quite happy that Max died because yeah. there was stakes. That was stakes, you know. Yeah, yeah. The main yeah. cast character dying. Yeah. That's another thing I'm a very big fan of stakes. Right. Like as long as there are stakes in the story, that's what it makes must it be well done, right? Yeah, doesn't it, honestly speaking, doesn't even really need to be well done. Medium, Medium rare, rare is perfect. <laughs> Medium rare is the perfect doneness. Man, you scare me a while there, not getting my joke. <laughs> so here's the thing: I meant that in terms of the joke because medium yes, rare I is the perfect yeah, doneness. Yes. But also, if even in the story, stakes, even if done not perfectly, like done really haphazardly, is what makes the story interesting. Of course, yeah. I mean, if there's no stake, there's no risk, then you kind of know. Then that was the point of watching. Right? Exactly, yeah, precisely. Yeah. So what's the stake, you know? If it's like if it's a fantasy story, like is the world at stake? Is the city at stake? Yeah. Is somebody's life at stake? That's always the what makes things interesting. Of course, yeah. Speaking of like interesting stuff as well, like and speaking about stake and risk, right? Yep. I, I mean, part and parcel of uh, one of the things that they are doing the final episode of, of uh, Stranger, Stranger Things, Things Part 4 Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2 <laughs> is that is the mission that they are going for yeah. like and planning for a mission and I've been a player in your game planning a mission like like just to okay we need to do this oh my goodness it was so nerve-wracking because I know the stake is that my character might, might actually die. Which one in particular are you talking about now? I think I'm just thinking of right now is uh, is playing as uh, Jarius. Right. There was was like it with demon. the Rate? Oh, um, it's before the rock Rate. I think the very first arc. Right, okay. There was like, I don't know, you put it, you set it up in the sense that you're going to fight a very strong enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's going to be crazy yeah. people's life at stake. Yeah. I remember because uh, I think they are going to summon some stuff. Many yes, people are going to yeah. die. We have to come in quick. We have to bring in all the force that we can. Yeah. And then we have to plan correctly because we need to save some people. We need to move things out. We need to prevent people from the demon itself from mm-hmm. casting mm-hmm. stuff. Man, that was so fun and at the same time, so nerve-wracking. Yeah. Yeah. That was, do honestly you, speaking... Sorry. Sorry. I was just what was say, the question? Do you, pl- do you plan? How do you plan such a you know important mission that oh, okay. for the players to start planning themselves on how to you know the first thing is that you have to come up with an idea of what to do that's the most of important course, thing yes. mine was the festival okay uh, it was a yearly festival yeah. annual festival that always celebrated the lives of the death 
of the people who died this past year. Yeah. It's a festival of life, essentially. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, that's the kind of thing I like to do as well. It's a festival of life, but it's celebrating deaths. You know, it's the lives of the people who had lived this, who have, who, which came to an end this past year. That was yeah. the festival of life. Okay. Yeah. And they call it a festival of life. Yep. And so, during that festival, they, the party kind of stumbled onto the fact that someone in the city, or in the, it wasn't a city, it was a town. Someone in the town was going to try and bring forth and or resurrect a form of evil. Yeah. I introduced it by introducing an NPC who had already been captive yeah. by the enigma of a villain. Yeah. And then you throw in a bit, you throw all the nonsense at, as much as you can at the party and see what sticks. And then you just give them a lot of red herrings. You know, like, <laughs> oh, this is the dude that you're looking for. No, this is the dude you're looking for. But Actually, no. it was the first dude, but he was disguised as a, de- as a demon, you know? Yeah. He was, he was disguising himself. Then you give them just enough hints that if they're sharp enough, they can catch it. You yeah. know? That's what I like to do. Right, yeah. And then, especially because that was the, my first time campaign, uh, writing a campaign, I wanted it to be very grand and very big. Yeah. Because I wanted to get keep you guys invested. Yeah. And already get you on the hero's journey. Yeah. So I planned for something that you guys cannot handle yourself. I planned for something big that you guys, the four of you, could never possibly handle yourself. That's why you need to get reinforcements. Yeah. And that's why you needed to find people like, like petters, yeah. Like people like uh, like um, Valdar, Valdar, and everything, yeah. So you needed these people on your side just so that you could have a fighting chance, yeah, in this battle. And you also needed people like Elder Father Father Kami, yeah, yeah. People, probably like Mistress Vandra, that kind of thing, yeah. And it's just Vena, right? Mrs. Vena, sorry. And then all the time, not knowing who might be doing the summoning for for breaking breaking hell open that kind of thing right yeah just hell breaking free is a massive stakes and I've done it before once in yes. Stockton that oh. was the first time I've ever right. run I wasn't there yeah you yeah. didn't finish it yeah. but everybody else it was me kind of drawing a comparison for now me DMing versus my first time DMing yeah and it was so I could reintroduce another thing because it had enough time had passed since then more importantly both in game and in real life, yeah, that I could reuse it. So yeah, that's essentially what I did. And like, I love throwing red herrings out there. For one, I don't know if you caught it, but like, there was this one period of time where Patters, the guy that you, the the basically the captain of the police guard or sergeant of the police in this town, he was a former adventurer and he's a high level fighter. Yes, right? yeah, and he always wears leather armor. That he goes around in his everyday life. Yeah. But when he knew that shit was coming, oh, yeah, he, was... he donned his full yeah. plate armor. Yeah. There was a conversation after he donned his full plate armor that you, I said, you guys see Petters over there in his typical leather armor and everything because that wasn't Petters. Oh, I don't think we, I caught that. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think anybody caught that. I thought yeah. John might have caught that. Shout out John, by the way. Hola, Juanito. But yeah, I thought he might have caught it, but nobody caught it. That was the. Because that was the only interaction the devil had in advance to kind of copy copy what yeah, Petters has. So yeah. he's never he had never seen Petters in oh, full. Oh actually you mentioned armor. this before. Yeah. I, I know think I, I mentioned Yeah, it you did you, mention, yeah. yeah. And so he came up to you guys as Petters in not full plate. And I specifically mentioned in his regular outfit after you had just seen him in yeah. full plate. 
Yeah. I love throwing that at people and like I love giving that to my players. And if they catch it, great. If they don't, this is fine. I'll reuse it and I'll keep reusing it until people realize. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing I love doing. Yeah. Those I, are story I, elements I like. That's that's amazing, right? And I, I think I think it's more of like a you plan, you set basically you like a, uh the guy who set up the stage. Yeah. Where you set up the stage where and then you just see where your players kind of like Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, definitely bring the story towards like and, I said yeah. I'm just a guy casting my line throwing as much bait at the fishes as I can <laughs> you know and whatever they whatever they take they take <laughs> just, I, I take what I can get <laughs> not picky <laughs> just and if whatever they don't use you reel it back in and then you reuse it somewhere else hey yeah that's you just turn to the other side of the boat and then recast your line <laughs> it's, it's so, I'm surprising that the fishing analogy is really yeah good it's really good eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I didn't expect that to happen yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I think for myself, like I, I love it when so much when my play my players plan, for like yeah. an uh, an encounter, like mm-hmm. when they really just sat down, like okay, well, let's do this, this. And but at the same time, I'm I'm also very very surprised and happy when they take whatever I said and then they try to use it against me as part of their planning. Oh yeah. So I think I remember. I think you went there in that game. Uh, there was the game that you missed where I was running a group of party, and then they were fighting a bad guy that they realized, hey, these guys are quite powerful mm-hmm. and they need all their forces or ways to just beat these guys. Okay. And then, in my description previously, I kind of said, I kind of said that. Chandelier. Not chandelier. Uh, bell. Bell, It's, it's right. a bell yeah, tower yeah, 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 yeah. and then it was like a church and then That's you right. can yeah, see yeah, yeah. the bell at the top and all that. And then I think someone decided to just like, hey, you know what? Why don't I go up and try to cut the bell? And yeah, yeah they will reduce the power of the party who is fighting on the ground. Uh, I I think I told them I told the person I can't remember who like the the risk of doing this like you may succeed you may not succeed and you may waste like two turns and all that mm-hmm. the person is like okay let's I'm, I'm gonna go for the bell and then they just went ahead with that yeah. plan they somehow survive they managed to hold the battle at the bottom for a bit more yeah and the bell just kind of drop and smashes like most of the enemy and mm-hmm. kind Turned of turn the tide, the tide. Yeah, yeah exactly I love that kind of planning from my players and yeah it's amazing. Yeah, it's like and those spur of the moment plans. Honestly yeah. speaking, is what I live for as a player as well. Yeah. For example, that first big fight that we had with the magician Will. Oh yeah. I was like, ah, they're firing amazing, yeah. arrow. I'm just a dude. I love the fact. This is another trope that I love. In a world full of high magic and high fantasy, I'm just a dude with arrows, man. It's the Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. It's the Hawkeye conundrum, right? Yes. Everybody yeah. like there are aliens crashing about. I'm just a dude with arrows firing. Yeah. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna keep firing arrows because that's my job. Yeah. Are you gonna join me? You know that whole speech he did in Age of Ultron? Yes. Again, for Wanda again? Yeah. It's Age of Ultron again, surprisingly. Oh. Yeah, but wow. we're mentioning it. Like, wow, twice. So, okay, so yeah, I, I remember in that fight, I was, because they were all relatively new players to D&D as well. Yes. So they weren't, yeah. they weren't very, I love doing this kind of thing. I would just went up to the DM like, are there brazers on the wall? You know, like torches. Yeah. Okay, Will's on a flying carpet, right? Carpets catch fire, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to light my arrows on fire. I'm going to shoot the carpet, not him. Yeah. And then he fell. Yeah, it's I mean, just, I allowed it because yeah. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, spur, it's spur of the moment things like that that I think only, I'm not calling myself seasoned, but like seasoned D&D characters, seasoned, seasoned D&D players would think of. It's questioning the surroundings. And because as much as any great DM explains it, they are still human. Yeah, of course. They're all human and there will always be things that they leave out. So yeah. it's a collaborative storytelling uh 
It's a collaborative storytelling tool, D&D is. And as such, you should always try and question and ask as much as you can. Do not overdo it. Of course, yeah. But, you know, it, with, with within reason, there should be these kinds of things. Explain it and then let the DM decide. If they're not, then they're not. Move on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, recently I was watching uh, GM Roundtable. GM Roundtable. GMs uh, of Alexandria, yeah. yeah Brandon was... mentioned the same thing. I think Matt, I like what Matt said, where he said uh, something along the line of... Um, yeah, whenever it becomes the player's turn and all that, he, you can, as a DM, you can ask like, hey, uh, is there anything you want to ask about the surrounding? Just to, yeah, just prompt them. Just prompt them. Yeah. Uh, just remind them here and there that, hey, yeah, there are other things. Yeah, you may not plan for it, mm-hmm. but you can, on the spot, I mean, that that thing that you, when you ask that question doesn't mean that you already planned something. Exactly, that you had, yeah. But it's more like, just checking in with your players yeah. to help them see because I mean it's different because honestly speaking yeah. when you're a player in Dungeons and Dragons especially if it's um, especially if it's Theater of the Mind oh yes it it's really difficult to do that because not everybody sees the same things the exactly. same way yeah. and you get tunnel vision and you focus on you know you like the horses with the blinders yes you only see what's directly in front of you and you and it's it's D and D man. It but gets yeah. really hectic. Yeah. Everybody gets very emotional. And it, it stakes again are high. You know your blood your blood is pumping, and you might not be able to focus on wider on a bigger picture than what you see before you. And it's understandable. And some of all these are playing in your imagination, and you are using your mind as well to read yeah, exactly. your spells. You're prepare. overusing your mind, man. And and you are not. And in real life, if you're in that situation, we our eyes are seeing things. Yeah, our eyes are always you know observing and. Yeah, what these are things it's, are possible. It's right? already yeah. subconscious that your brain, your yeah, eyes exactly. do that for your yeah. brain. But now, when you play theater of the mind, you have to train your brain to do that subconsciously as well. Yeah, and I think that that's why I think what you mentioned is you have to be more more seasoned player yeah. to catch all this, or to just imagine a new part of a story. Like perhaps not even a seasoned player, yeah. you can be a very new player, but you've used these concepts in movies. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. for when I, for example, when I watch movies, I often look at people in the background. You know, right. just to see yes. what's happening. Yeah. I look at the background, see what's going on. And that's interesting to me, yeah. which is why I think my brain is kind of messed up like that. <laughs> that I think about these kinds of things. And that's, I think, also plays into why my stories are so long and convoluted and why it takes me 40 minutes to to draft a thought. Like, I will often go on rants. If you're a long-time listener to the party, obviously you're very, very, very used to me ranting by now. In fact, I think maybe some of you who might have listened before probably didn't listen because of me ranting as well. <laughs> it's just it's just the way my brain is wired, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. I also really like that trope of that one guy on the battlefield because it's D&D. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to come into battles, right? That one guy on the battlefield that controls the setting of the battlefield. Like, controls oh, everything. That's yeah. why I chose a battle master. Yeah. You know, for Kazrin. Because I wanted him to be, and because I know that I'm probably the player on at that table who, if you've add everybody's game time together, still doesn't match what I've played in D and D. True, yeah. Because they're all very new players. Yes, and yeah. so I wanted to have a character that could control the battlefield a little bit, turn the tides in battle. So then I chose a battle master, which I love. Yeah, I, I fell in love with the battle master mechanic. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know it, but when you were playing it, I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Yeah, I love the battle master, and I love these kinds of characters as well, to to try and control the battlefield in certain ways. So for him, it was always controlling where the enemy's attention would be changed to, because that's right, all okay. he could as a battle master. Yeah, there are other people who masterfully do it. Is Sam Regal? Oh my goodness, Scanlan Shorthop. Yeah. 
his placement in D&D and his his spells especially with Scanlan Shorthold or if you watch Alexandria Unlimited with Loquacious yeah it's just his ability to do stuff like that it's just mind blowing I think his understanding of the scenario situation yeah. as well that I think his brain there. is a little bit messed up like mine as well. Like no, <laughs> no kidding. Like I'm, I'm very serious about that. It, it takes somebody a bit messed up to think that way. I, I, I personally believe, and I think that's why he's like that as well. But yeah, he uses his characters to turn the tide more often than not. You know, he always is the one with that clutch healing word for, for Exandria Unlimited. He was the one with the clutch counter spell in yeah when yeah. it was Vox Machina's time. You know, he's always the one with those clutch movements and clutch plays because he is able to look at the bigger picture at all times. Yeah. Another one is Travis as well. He's really good at doing that. Yeah. Which was why when he was um, Ford was just amazing. Rather than being Grog running around smashing things, you finally got to see the more cerebral portion of Travis. And especially now as Chetney as well, he's doing that. Yeah. Which is, I mean, sorry, spoilers for Critical Role in terms of characters and stuff. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, there's no... Okay, that's not a real spoiler. I mean, it's just character names. Yeah. So far, I think. Oh, except for... Yeah, but Counterspell happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Just where? Which episodes? Yep. Do you have a favorite plan that worked for yourself? As plan a, that as, as a player, not as a DM. Like uh, a favorite plan that you set in motion that worked. I think the one that I mentioned very early on when we get into this topic. Right. Uh, right okay. Jarius mm-hmm. having to somehow be involved with gathering everybody and then kind of like formulate like, okay, this is what we need to do. Right, okay. Let's go, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I think that was that was fun as a... As, as a, a player, player planning and going ahead. Uh, something that I've done mechanically that worked as in terms of planning, but it's more for my own character, is I think to solve the problem against... I think your character was going berserk all the time last time. Yeah, Larry. And I, I think I had to... Control the monster. Control, control the, the beast. Mo- control yeah. the beast. Yeah. Uh, that was... A lot of reading uh, very early yeah. on because yeah. uh, it was I, I I just started and I had like oh my goodness this is such a problem every single battle yeah he goes berserk yeah, and, and yeah so I was using for example uh what's the uh, like duplicates uh, myself something yeah yeah where there's more of me invoke, and invoke duplicity invoke duplicity for tricks the clerics yeah. yeah and then and then also use finally when I got my level two spell at least I can hold him uh, yeah, in place exactly. whole person right yeah which was very in clutch as well. Yeah, for me are, it yeah. was the final arc of that campaign. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I formulated awesome. in yeah. my brain because I we hadn't had to le- I we haven't gotten to the level where my character who was a sorcerer had a six level cell spell slot. So we didn't I didn't have access to disintegrate. However, I did find a disintegrate scroll. And I used that to try and because the way the DM John had explained it was that it's basically this storm giant who is formulating a cloud to let these Duragar travel even in the morning so that they are not affected by the sunlight. And if you take down this one storm giant, you're done. You're good. So I formulated a brand in, uh, a plan in my brain. You know, I, ma- I might not have Disintegrate. I do have Polymorph. You know, I have I have winged boots. I have a an ally, a, a person in my party that goes 180, 180 feet as, as, as a round, you know, that kind of thing. So like, I was, okay, you know, I formulated the plan in my head. I planned everything out. I give, I give Remy the boots, you yeah. know, he's a level nine monk. He has eight, 60 feet. Level eight monk. 55. He has, 
55 feet a 55 feet a turn that with his action to dash yeah. with his bonus action for step of the wind he can go like yeah 160 170 yeah. miles yeah 170 feet, feet per second yeah. you know per round okay so what if i need to plan i will plan to go there i have a depending on the the giant's abilities there is this amount of chance of succeeding the polymorph what do we do then you know, I have to have this polymorph succeed. If it doesn't, we all have to hide and then I have to do it again. Yeah. Until we succeed. That as a plan, if it doesn't, and then I will do the disintegrate. And if that succeeds, then we're good. If it doesn't succeed, that's it. The spell scroll is gone. Yeah. What do we do then? You know, I plan, okay, then Remy will just take, pick up that polymorph to whatever, fly him up for like a couple of rounds, drop him. Because the rollover damage will probably be enough to kill the giant. Yeah. And then he would... I gave my cloak of the mountain back, keep up the mountain back to another player yeah. so that they could grab somebody and Dimension Door out. I give it to Arya because once the Dimension Door, it will be a medium character rather than a small character of Mary. So yeah, they'll be able to Dimension Door out. Remy would come down, swoop me down and pick me up and fly off even encumbered. If it's triple dash, it's about 100 feet of uh, Exactly, round. yeah. So we will be able to get we are still far, moving really yeah, fast, yeah. Far away enough that we should be scot-free. And then yeah. we gather up somewhere else. Yeah, that was my favorite plan that kind of worked, I think. Yeah, that was awesome, yeah. yeah. And I even broke down the odds. Like, turn one, I do this, this is... We had like a 20-something... No, a 30%, 30-something 30 percent chance of that working. And it did. Everything worked perfectly yeah. first round. I polymorphed him. We waited one round, disintegrated. Yeah. Worked. We've, we got the shit out of there. Yeah, I that remember that was awesome. That was my favorite to be plan. honest, when I was pl asking, planning this question, mm -hmm. I was thinking of that plan. Yeah. <laughs> that is that the was most my awesome plan. plan. Yeah. yeah, I even broke down the probability on like yeah. a big yeah. board and showed it to everybody, showed everybody my work. And then I'm like, yeah, you don't have to do this, but I'm asking this of you. Yeah, it's favorite mo character moment as well. Yeah, for Helzen. Yeah, love that. Amazing. What about you guys? What are your favorite plans that have worked out in D&D? Let us know. Do you have some story elements and beats that you like using? Let us know that about that as well. You can reach us at the party on Instagram and Twitter. That's T-H-E-P-O-D-D-I-T-Y on Instagram and Twitter. Let us know. And join us next week where we're going to be talking about Kenobi. Yeah, exactly. Talk about plans, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Nate. I'm Steven. Goodbye. Bye.